Hey, drunk mythology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And we're the Drunk Mythology drunk Gals. Mythology gals. <laughs> nice try. I nice didn't even try. think to do it until you were halfway through, so I was just like, whatever. We were we've been a little off the game the past couple recordings oh. because we've been recording later at night. And and this is on verging at Drunk Mythology Gals in, at night for for you at least. It's it's approaching that category. Yeah. Vespers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mythology gals at Vespers. <laughs> I I went back and listened to which I don't remember which number it was. I'm sorry. It was like two recordings ago. It might have been three, but I think it was two recordings ago. I could tell just re-listening to it. Damn, I was tired. <laughs> August was rough for us. Like, I mean, we've had rough months and then we've had really rough months. And I, at least from like yeah. a health perspective for me, like July and August were oh, really yeah. fucking rough. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that because like I, I have all these ideas that I'm like, I have to do an episode on this. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes we just need OG you know, and yeah. she's not here. And I did check in with her, except yes. I got an out of office message that she's on vacation. <laughs> Do we know what this vacation entails? Do we have any clues? Uh, it includes uh, the beach and oysters and um, possibly Nubal cross-dressing Romans. What? <laughs> Okay, I I don't even want to ask, do I? Don't ask because I'm going to tell you it's this episode. Okay. So we're getting ready to head into Labor Day weekend or- Here in uh, the United States. That's right. Or or bank holiday, I guess. The last bank What kind of bank holidays do they have over- For having a a three-day weekend in the summer. Okay. But- uh, I have yeah. no idea what Labor Day is for. Labor Day was originally supposed to commemorate like labor rights activists, uh, riots and deaths in the late 19th century when they were trying to like, you know, get out of the Upton Sinclair jungle working conditions. Oh. Yeah. So it really is about people one. working. It really is about celebrating, you know, milestones of the labor movement like hello five-day work week um and non-mandatory you know and making the 12-hour work day not mandatory anymore (laughs) yeah yeah although we have this fucked up notion that we still have to do it but anyway yeah it's the last hurrah of summer or at least it used to be before schools decided it was more fun to go back in the middle of august apparently (laughs) Or if you have year-round school, like we have an option here, you go back to school right after Fourth of July holiday. So like July fifth, so July sixth. Weird. Um, but oh my gosh, I love that setup for yeah. for our kids, especially for Violet, the youngest. I'm terrified of her now going to a traditional calendar. But yeah, um, high school. Yeah, I there's. <laughs> There is lots of data. We've been talking about this offline. Data and information. And I'm 
like this relates to my economics class. It relates to my information systems class. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did we mention I'm taking classes? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there is data out there that shows that these younger grades, my kids did it from kindergarten through eighth. Well, Violet did it through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy went to a traditional calendar in sixth grade because she got accepted into a different middle school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, data. The kids that are learning on a year-round calendar, and mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't know what that means, or I think I've mentioned it before, but maybe you haven't heard that episode, the kid is in school for, generally speaking, in for nine weeks, and then you get a three-week break. That's then pretty go, nice. Then you go back in for nine weeks. Like, we should have work schedules like that. Right? And then you get another three-week break. You have some of these parents who complain, you're stealing my kid's summer vacation. Oh, the summer vacation oh, where you ship them off God. to camp anyway? Whatever. Right. Cry right. me a river. Right. Call denial and then go live by it. We take our family to the beach for nine weeks? Really? Right. I mean, yeah, some people own places at the beach. But sure, even but that the percentage minority. is like whatever. You know, most people who actually own a place or timeshare a place, yeah. it's a weekend and thing because you know what? work. Yeah. And if you own a place at the beach, go there during those three-week breaks. Right? And guess what? Three out of four of those breaks, it's not crowded. <laughs> yeah. Your argument doesn't hold. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. Yeah. The anyway. data. Back to the data. It shows that when these kids come back in after a three-week break, and the summer break, mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes, that summer break, when the kid starts a new grade in a traditional calendar, the teacher is spending up to four weeks getting these kids back up to speed from where they were when they left the last day of the prior school year from the grade. Yeah. And also kind of assessing where everybody is and, you know, figuring out where the gaps are. Yeah. They're spending four weeks reteaching the prior grade. No wonder I always skated through September. Year-round program? It's down to about three days. That's a lot more efficient. Right? (laughs) And effective, you know, and especially given like the speed bump that everybody hit for the past year and a half, two years. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. How did we say that? Oh, uh, you were saying middle of August. Yeah. Kids go back to school. So, Labor Day, last little vacation, hurrah. And- You know, humanity has always tried to find ways to squeeze out vacation time. And they maybe called it, you know, a saint's day or a religious festival or a penis festival. (laughs) The great penis festival. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Complete with bread. (laughs) I still haven't bought French bread. I need to do that. (laughs) And um, in medieval times, you know, you had the feast days. Where, you know, you didn't work because you were in church. And sure, it kind of sucked being in a icy, cold stone building and whatever. But in some ways, it was better than having to bust your ass over at the blacksmithies or grinding grain or whatever. Yeah, sure. 
So, you know, however you define getting away from it all, people have always been looking for a way to get away from it all. Mm -hmm. Maybe they called it religious festivals or a business trip or war. Not what? a joke. There's a lot of tourism that happens around war. What? Oh, yeah. That's oh. another episode for another time. Maybe a deep oh, dive. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Complete with Kevlar. So, but... <laughs> But getting away from it goes yes. all the way back to the Romans. Of course. Fuck the Romans. Because Fuck the Romans. their vacations actually sound pretty awesome. And I hate myself for that. <laughs> I hate this. Oh, my goodness. But oh. before we get started. Yes. Sacrifices to Odin this week. Should I just talk about what right. I was rage messaging you? What, like two hours ago? <laughs> Uh, Pearson, we've got our eye on you, and when the I drunk was... mythology gals turn their eye on you, you better <laughs> fucking worry, man. Oh my god, Pearson Publishing. They're based in the UK. We need Ad, Aaron, uh, Gilly, Ed, Gilly, all you guys to go over to the Pearson building and, and give, give, them those, give them the eye. Side eye. <laughs> give them the eye. Find their offices. <laughs> give them the evil eye. Politely, they, of course. And, and don't make con eye contact. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying be polite. I am so pissed. They have this online learning platform, Revel, I think is how they're pronouncing it. R-E-V-E-L. They have a bunch of different platforms. Mm -hmm. This one in particular is the one that I'm on this semester for my economics class. And it's... Basically, you go through the website of like reading this, the information on this page. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's a multiple choice question based on what you hopefully just read. Answer the question. Continue on. Sometimes you're having to make a graph to represent data that they're giving you. Yeah, you like, lost okay. me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I make the graph. By the way. There was no introductory, here's how our graphing tools work. Here's how to make a label and move the label to a different position on the graph. There was none of that. It was flying blind, trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Once I figure it out, I make the cute little graph. That's accurate. I know and that it's accurate. you were like, yeah, you know I, this is the right answer. This is the right answer. The points are where they belong. I hit submit. Incorrect. What? What the hell did I do wrong? Well, I go back and I'm like, try again. Maybe I missed something. I, I double check myself. There's supposed to be a minimum point on this curve. And I'm like, yeah, I got the minimum point exactly right. Yeah. I hit submit again. Incorrect. Are you freaking kidding me? What the hell? I try. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to lose it. I Because I only have three tries per question before it's like three strikes, you're out. You get the answer wrong and you don't get credit for this question. And you know me, I need the hundred. I'm trying not right. to need the hundred, but you but need I the need hundred. The hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I need the hundred. I'm like, I delete the whole thing and I do it over again from scratch. I make the whole chart again. And I'm making sure that 
once I'm done, I click outside of the graph to make sure it's all set and it's not like something is mm -hmm. in limbo. You know, I, I do all of that. Incorrect. I'm about to throw my laptop I, I legit through the wall. I screenshot this because she did, I, I was getting live updates and I was yes. like, well, there goes our equipment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so when it tells you on the third try that you're wrong, it says, here's what your graph should like, uh, should look like. Oh my She did a side-by-side -side comparison and it's like, yeah, no. that, that's exactly what you No, 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 no. Kate Pearson does the side by side comparison? Oh yeah, but you shared you shared it on. I shared on it with Discord. you. Yeah, their I was like, that, that's own software shows their correct answer and my incorrect answer, and they fucking match. They're i fucking identical. We have a whole semester of this coming up, listeners. Are you not thrilled? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, I, I, oh, and the, the text is full of typos. Oh, yeah, that I, I can't. I'm glad you're not sharing that with me because then I oh, would I did, be throwing shit. I? And I, I one of oh, us, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, breaking the equipment is enough. Yeah, typos, poorly worded things, run-on sentences, poorly yeah. worded questions. I, I sense a new Twitter account coming. Pearson, eat my shit. Uh, <laughs> shit Pearson users find. Um, okay. You know, point, pointing out like all of this and, you know, it's just it's fun. But <sighs> anyway, yeah. so that's, there's, that's you. I've got uh, a sore Achilles tendon that I'm going to offer up in ah. return for hopefully managing the transplant of the avocado sapling <laughs> oh me from the front yard to the backyard this week oh so you think it's gonna survive i i'm not gonna go anywhere near that question okay. because i've already offered up one achilles tendon i don't want to have to deal with the other one. <laughs> oh my goodness well i would normally ask you what you're drinking right now i'll tell you what i have in my cup i'll go first okay Sam walks in. He was out doing his frisbee golf. I'm not supposed to call it frisbee golf. I'm supposed to call it disc golf, but I still call it frisbee golf. It's and he sees my rage. He's go, "You need a drink?" <laughs> Sam I have, for the win. I have no clue what he poured me, but it he poured it a while ago and he poured it heavy and there was very little ice and I'm still sucking in on this. I'm just like going to town on this cup, sucking it down. Um well, I shouldn't say sucking it down because that would suggest I'm going fast, but it's been about you're working at it an hour and a half now. There's no ice left. It's I'm I'm feeling nothing anymore. I except I'm, for pure rage. Except, yeah, and I may I'm, be exacerbating that. So I'm um, just at the point where I the finger is just barely over the Twitter app to create a profile, create a new account. It. Don't, don't do, do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do the thing. There might be a Twitter account by the time I reach the bottom of the cup and the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would not be surprised. So I'm drinking Cayman Jack. I'm finishing up those margaritas because I haven't oh, okay. gotten my ass to the store to get uh, my regular Jack. Gotcha. Um, although the other day, Eric bought uh, the Jack Daniels cherry. Okay. Holy bazoli. Revelation. More on that later. But yeah. 
oh, it's a nice hot day drink. It, again, these are still a little sweet for me, but it gets the job done and doesn't feel like I'm completely dehydrating my liver. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. Yep. That's what we have. So let's get All to right. the disclaimer. Yes. Do not drink and drive cars, chariots, eight-legged horses, five-day work weeks, Kevlar tourist coats, incorrect graphs, Hugh Pearson, Achilles <laughs> tendons from avocado tree relocations. Don't do any of it. <laughs> there you go. You're getting, you, you're, you took notes. I took notes. I'm so I proud of you. You get a gold star. Okay. <laughs> let's get started. A long time ago... When the world was young and ready for a goddamn vacation. So I've been working on this episode a while. I know I <laughs> promised it at the beginning of August and health issues did kind of... Uh, I think it was the beginning of July. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I Look, all I'm saying is part of it you know, I got, I was at a point where I couldn't stare at a screen for very long and that right. kind of puts the kibosh on a lot of writing. Yeah. But also again, it's one of those things where when I'm so interested and passionate about a topic, mm -hmm. I get a lot of anxiety about talking about it because I want to do it justice. Ah, uh, I can understand that. And yeah. You know, and, and there are elements of this podcast episode where, you know, it's actually very sentimental because this all <laughs> comes from one of my most treasured books. Hmm. And it basically shows that you can blame my parents 100% for this entire podcast. And you can also blame them for the weird way I think and like to connect dots. Okay. Because you know that's now my thing. Like, I, I take you from the what? Yeah. To the woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So on Christmas Day, 1989, they gave me a book. Okay. And I'm not – I was never one of those kids who was like, oh, thanks, a book. I was like, oh, my God, it's a book. <laughs> and by they, I mean – mostly mom, because she was the chief curator of my library and informal education. And this book is called Tourism in History. Oh, fascinating. Now, I was excited, but I was fucking baffled because as a 12-year-old might be, it never occurred to me that people before the 19th century would have taken, quote unquote, vacations as we know them. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of this right either right yeah because i mean we've you know we have passing familiarity to more and less degrees that you know starting around the 19th century you know there's a general sense that okay yeah i think i've heard that people did go on trips to the seaside or trips here or yes. they, you know but yeah. you never really think about it before the year 1800 all that much yeah, I'm not. Where's Fenrir going for vacation? Uh, <laughs> he's probably going north because he's got a lot of. He, he's here suit. <laughs> he's what? He he's hairy. He does not enjoy oh. the heat. Right. So well, he's going but north. He's, okay, but he's now. Okay, you got to help me out here. Is he a shifter 
in mythology or is he a shifter only in OG's books? OG's books. Oh, okay. So he, he's, in he's mythology, full He's just full wolf. Full wolf. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm yeeting on out of here. I'm <laughs> to the Arctic Circle. Yeah, I'm hanging with Santa. I'm doing some, I'm summering with Santa Claus. I'm snacking on the elves that don't fill their quota. <laughs> don't make their quota. <laughs> anyway. Now Fenrir. <laughs> so, but, you know, that got me thinking, okay, vacation. How do we know and think about vacation? So, other Jen, if you would share with us this definition of vacation from my favorite source, Merriam-Webster. It's like you knew I was going to ask, what's the actual definition of vacation? Uh, maybe I, I don't, I don't do the like show title game with you, but I know how you think. <laughs> okay. Vacation, a period spent away from home or business in travel or recreation. That's definition number one. Number two, a scheduled period during which activity as of a court or school is suspended. A period of exemption from work granted to an employee. A respite. Do I pronounce that right? Mm -hmm. A respite or a time of respite from something, i.e. intermission. And the last one, an act or an instance of vacating. Oh, like vacating the building. Well, okay. Yeah, the yeah. vacation of the building, like everybody leaving the building. Wow. Okay. Yeah. My brain is like hung up on that one. Like, oh, wow. It's related to the word vacate, to leave. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. To exit. So this kind of leads to the, my next sort of comment question. When you read this definition, what are the things that stick out to you in terms of distinguishing characteristics? Like, a, you know, obviously you're like, oh, this is the thing, you know, that makes me go, huh. But in terms of the concept of vacation itself, like what jumps out at you from the definition? Um, it's a, it's, a time when structured or even mandated activities are not happening. Yeah. That's, is that what you were setting me up for? Well, is that I mean, what I was honestly, I didn't actually have anything I was setting you up for. I was just oh, okay. curious because yeah. when I actually went and looked up this definition, I was like, oh, there, to me, there were three primary aspects of this definition that kind of jumped out. One okay. is the word away, oh. like physically away from home okay. and or work. And I know a lot of us have forgotten what this concept of away is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because especially with our phones and mobile devices. Yep. It's a combination of, of COVID and connectivity. You, Some of us never are away. Right. And I'm doing the air quotes around away. Just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You put quotes, you did it in all caps. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it made me think about, so there's the mental distance, but there also such a is a, a thing as the physical difference, distance. And, you know, again, I've sort of mentioned it, but I have this weird sort of pet theory about geography and its effect on psychology. Huh. 
another episode for another time. Um, The second (laughs) thing that jumps out at me is respite. Okay. Because that is a very specific word. And it's like a lifting of the obligation to work and home duties and responsibilities. And again, I think we've all really lost the plot on this one because people are always checking email, touching face, blah, blah, blah. There is no respite anymore. And I think we're, you know, not that we were all that great shakes before, but we're really suffering from it because I don't think we're biologically structured for it. I have a couple of coworkers who are super amazing, diligent at end of Friday, that five-day work week, they shut it off. Mm-hmm. They they don't respond. They don't look at anything. They don't respond to anything unless it's – and I know who these people are. So mm-hmm. if I'm communicating with those people on the weekend, I make extra efforts to be sure that it is purely 100% social and not work-related. Yeah. Because I I know these people – make extra efforts to disconnect and yeah and and but it's a very short list but you know they're probably really good when they come back you know like yeah yeah I once um it it was a Friday night and I was very angry because I was on hour 72 of my work week Mm. and I stopped for a second and I broke down you know using a calculator on the computer Um, I divided my salary by an average 72 hour work week. I love doing stuff like this. And I was like, God fucking damn it. I'm not even making under the table McDonald's money. Right. It's always shocking to do calculations like that. Right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making $4 an hour. Yeah. And this is supposed to be me getting ahead in this world. So, you know, once I kind right. of got out of the corporate world, anytime I've had to take a job, I've tried to take hourly positions. Mm. I would much rather be hourly at anything than yeah. salaried. When I started my freelance accounting business, mm-hmm. I had to stop and I, I didn't know how much to charge. Right. So I sat there and Yes, me, the accountant, I know what my salary is, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head even a ballpark of what that would have broken down to in an hourly uh, translation. I had to sit there with a calculator and come up with, oh, that's what I make per hour? And then I was like, I pay the kid's guitar teacher double. Right? what I make. And it doesn't seem like that much when I'm writing a check for a 30 minute guitar lesson. Right. But holy crap. He makes double, he makes double what I do. Well, there's, uh, I've been reading, there are some really interesting articles going around and this is a little sidebar, but there's something that is trending right now called hashtag quiet quitting. And it's not that these people, mostly like millennials and Gen Z, are quitting their jobs. They're simply quitting the unstated but expected overtime. Yeah. They're like, I am going back to my job description and this is what I'm doing and this is all I'm doing. You want me to do more? Pay me more. 
Yeah. Or change my job because even if you pay me more, it's still not buying back the time I would lose. Right. And, you You know, I have had a similar discussion with my job where my freelance. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, I, I need to set myself up for an assistant down the road. Mm -hmm. And with you, I keep trying to get you to, to actually do that math of what, how many hours are you spending and you're getting paid by word? Yeah. Okay. What is this? If you spend two hours to get that word count and it's polished, it's a whole lot different from spending four hours. Yeah. And and I've had to repeat it with you Again, a couple I, times. I, I, because yeah. we're dealing with math and I'm like, yeah. and it's just not the, it's not where you automatically think. Right. That's, that's not where you go. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I did a lot of traveling um, when I was younger, like in my twenties, I was, if my passport didn't have at least two stamps a year in it, oh. I was feeling deprived. But a lot of the traveling that I did, even over to Europe, you know, yes, we sort of had cell phones, but we didn't really have them for the international ease and call. Like we had paper maps and, right, you right. know, um, uh, some of our traveler. Some of our listeners are old enough to remember preparing to travel in the days before the interwebs. Oh, oh and just to go back to yeah. finish my list of three things, the oh. last thing that I meant to <laughs> mention is in the definition of vacation is that it is a scheduled period. Like it is a right. time that is deliberately chosen and prepared for. You and I are deliberately choosing and preparing for an upcoming vacation. Yes, we are. And we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But let me get through this. Sorry. So, like, I remember travel agents were a thing. Oh, yes. And you'd buy guidebooks. <gasps> yes. And yes. you'd have paper maps. Uh-huh. And I yep. just want to say, I, you know, my ex and I would rent a car and he would do the driving and I would do the navi. I was, I was Google goddamn maps. <laughs> I got us all I, yep. over Ireland, Portugal, Spain, Greece, and the UK with a goddamn paper map. I love it. And I used to have the, uh, our friends over in the UK, they'll know what I'm talking about. I used to have the pocket A to Z. Yeah. For, to go to London. Exactly. Like, don't, and they, they actually don't need have a, that anymore. <laughs> they have a, uh, French version of it for Paris. It's the, uh, plan, plan by Cartier. It's a little red book. And I think I still mm-hmm. have mine, but you know, um, I also don't use my rear view camera in my car when I parallel park or back up because I will survive the zombie apocalypse based solely on those skills. Right. My husband yells at me when I'm like doing the whole ar- right hand arm uh, right arm looking over your shoulder yeah. headrest looking over my shoulder he goes you've got a screen in front of you and i'm like screens can lie it. i don't trust it screens can lie. <laughs> so while we could read about a place hunt down the picture books at the library etc there was still always an element of the unexpected and unknown that sort of triggers the neurochemical, neurobiological anticipation and fear response that stimulates us. And I think we have really lost some of that. Okay. And, you know, that can be good and bad, but, you know, I have questions about how the fact we can find Amigos Burger in Rahat, Israel, and (laughs) see the online 
see the menu online, how that affects the psychological effect and results of a vacation. And I would love to talk to any of our listeners out there who are sociologists or psychologists and, you know, have ideas about this. But anyway. You know what? I bet Frederick has some ideas. I bet he does. And I also, you know, how does it change the meaning of travel and our expectations from it? Why do we even expect something from a period that is specifically designed to free us from expectations and obligations? So the whole point of this is that nothing is ever as simple as it seems on the surface, even the idea of a vacation. Right. So if we focus on the physical away aspect of a vacation. Okay. The idea hits me, what about recreation? Because away implies we're, you know, we're going away to get away from our responsibilities and to do something different that is recreational. Okay. So um, obviously the word recreation breaks down to recreation. (gasps) What the fuck does that really mean? Oh, Okay. All right. You're going to make me read it. Here I'm we go. I'm going to make you read the definition again from Merriam-Webster. Refreshment of strength and spirits after work. Also, a means of refreshment or diversion, a.k.a. hobby. Like podcasting. <laughs> you could put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> One woman's recreation is another woman's job. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is this is the ideal kind of job because this is, for me, it's also like really refreshing, you know, because I yes. get to flex my brain. Yeah. But when I scroll down through the definition a bit more, I get to the etymology. <gasps> Ooh. I know. It, you say etymology and I get the, those little shivers. Um, I, you love this. My information class information systems yeah had the etymology of the word information but that's we'll we'll talk about that all in formation yeah i was foremost yeah yes it came from a latin surprise most of it does (laughs) god damn it but our Um, modern context of it comes from order greek yeah not not greek i'm sorry 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 german different g right but i mean it's so it, <laughs> recreation comes from Latin and it's again, one of the few moments we can be like, okay, Romans, you did give us Latin. We're kind of cool, I a guess, <laughs> but it's, and I'm not a Latin speaker. So please, you know, forgive my pronunciation, recreare, which I think sure. is how you pronounce it, but recre, you know, I see that and I immediately go to French, recreare, uh, but it means to make new, restore, and revive. Okay. Crear, or creare, I guess, I don't know, means to bring into being, beget, give birth to. Hmm. So I started to put this whole tangle of ideas together that we almost never adhere to anymore about vacations and recreation. We can say that going on a vacation means to step away mentally and physically from everyday obligations and duties of home and work in order to either restore or in a sense, give birth to a new version of ourselves that is enriched by the experience of new surroundings and also from the benefits of disrupting routine. 
Oh my God, I so experienced that when we went to France. Right? I so experienced that. A rebirth. Yes. I came back a new version of myself. A new from visiting Paris. Yeah. And so if we think about a lot of what we do on vacations, you know, there's the complete like rest and relaxation. I'm Mm -hmm. this is my pool chair. Do not touch it, bitch. I will be here for the next seven days. (laughs) This is my unicorn cup holder floaty. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but there's also the, Hey, let's go see shit, yeah. <laughs> which is called tourism. So how does tourism fit into all of this? So let's dip one more time into the old dictionary. Okay. Tourism, the practice of traveling for recreation. I, I don't get it. What? Tourism. I, I was, I was expecting something a lot more, economics and financial well and business tour- and industry well you're thinking of the abstract noun of tourism i'm thinking okay of it as a personal practice of tourism oh because okay you know you've got tourism which involves tourists and i could be a tourist without even traveling like mm-hmm. if I go to the museum, well, down you the block. are leaving your home. Okay, all right. So I'm traveling away from my house. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. The practice of traveling for it doesn't specify a distance. It's just you're right. Yeah. So now, if we reel this all the way back in and we go back to the reason <laughs> it never really occurred to me as a twelve year old that the ancients would do something like that is because traveling was a serious fucking undertaking that could kill you as oh, easily right. as it could get you to a beach. <gasps> wow. But also, yeah. in a time where we're just getting, wa- in a time where just getting water for your everyday needs involved physical labor, literally taking time away from doing any of the things that sustained your actual life meant that you had to have some serious resources to spare, like people, money, food, assistance, storage, you name it. Okay, so this, in the earliest days, this was only something practiced by the wealthy. Yeah, I mean, up until, honestly, like the mid-19th century, if you think about it, like, and again, we could probably trace some of the evolution or the um, spread of tourism to a upper middle and middle class we can sort of look at that and link it to the labor movement. Hello, Labor Day. But, Interesting. you know, yeah. if you think about what you had to do, you had to draw water, you had to bake your bread, you had to, you know, tend to the animals, you know, goats need feeding and cleaning. If you're going to get them goat milk for that feta, you know, like, <laughs> that's not something you can just say, I'll be back in a week, Bessie. Right. <laughs> you know, you had to have an infrastructure. Right. An econ- a domestic economic infrastructure. I mean, just for us right now. Yeah. We have to buy a fish feeder. <laughs> otherwise Plants we fitters. <laughs> or otherwise we come home to Fenrir the goldfish belly up. <laughs> you know, we're gonna talk about fish in a minute. <gasps> are we? Yeah, we are. Pet fish? Yes. Or fishing fish. No. Pet both. fish? Both. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Carry so, on. Carrying. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, and it, like I said, it's not surprising that it is really only relatively recently that anyone other than the super rich could afford in any sense of the word to just get away from everyday life. Okay. You know, um, that's not to say that ordinary people didn't travel before the 19th century. They did. Right. A lot. Intro. We have, we have the, in the Bible, Mary and Joseph were traveling to Bethlehem. I mean, when, technically they, they were painted as refugees, but. Yeah, but they were yeah traveling. Exactly. They were travelers. There was no room at the inn. They were not at home. And it's not like, oh my God, these people have up and left. They're like, <laughs> they're traveling. Yeah. You know, it, it's not an unheard of concept or so out of the ballpark for them. Right. Now, you know, people traveled. They just, if they wanted to recreate, they just had to multitask, excuse me, a bit more to make it happen. Okay. <laughs> Trying not to cough here. Are you like, about to choke to death? <laughs> I I inhaled wrong and was just oh, been there. a moment. Yeah. Anyway. All good. Yeah. So trade and religion provided pretty decent excuses to get out of the house and on the road. And, okay. you know, we've talked about religion and religious festivals and pilgrimages with the episodes we did about the Olympics. Right. Like the worst music festival ever. <laughs> <laughs> but the Olympics weren't the only game in town. Ah. Uh. Um, <laughs> You had shrines, temples, oracles, sacrifices, annual pilgrimages, once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimages, solo religious trips, family religious trips. And it was actually one of the easiest ways for ancient women, and in fact, women throughout history, to justify leaving hearth and home. Okay. Just put it, pin in that for <laughs> at some point. But to draw a parallel to today, okay. think of the massive traveling people do for Thanksgiving in America. Oh my God. It's just, we used to go visit Sam's family. Yeah. Um, what? No, 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 no. We did it once. <laughs> we did it, it feels multiple like times. All crammed into one, but yeah, I get it. We did it <laughs> once to go visit his family for Thanksgiving. If any, you know, for the United States people, especially the East coasters, I-95. Well, we did it once again. Mm -hmm. I say never, <laughs> it felt like never, a thousand times. Never again. It was well, like, I oh, mean, shit. Yeah. You know, my husband works, he's an aircraft mechanic and mm -hmm. nobody gets the day before Thanksgiving off. Right. <laughs> right. But, yeah. you know, Thanksgiving itself is a sort of quasi-religious, quasi-pagan ceremony. If you think about it, it's just oh, modern. It's got it's got some dark sides to yeah, it as well. It's modern mythology with all the ups and downs of it. Oh my God, you're right. Right? Yeah. And if you think about oh, it, it's, it's a ceremony that implies the more people present, the better the quote unquote offering of oh, thanks. Fuck, Kate. Think about it. Christmas and how we all travel and people do traveling for that holiday. And again, it's a family-oriented holiday. And I won't go into an analysis of women's roles and importance and portrayals in both Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm -hmm. but you get the idea. Even in history, you see families attempting to reunite on major holidays. Although interestingly, for a long time, Easter was bigger than Christmas because 
It was easier to travel in March and April versus December and January. Oh, damn. That makes perfect sense, Kate. I'm drawing. I'm connecting all the dots today. (laughs) But literally, this is a book that has caused me to think about this since I was 12, which is part of the reason I've had so much anxiety about this episode, because I'm like, this is my brain. Oh, my God. And this is going to be a long episode. We should have said that, like, what? 44 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Value. One. You're getting, you're getting value. <laughs> and we're going to talk about value travel and vacationing. So just hold on here. So this is Tom Boyd at Motel 6. We leave the light on for you. <laughs> Motel 6. If you'd like to sponsor us. <laughs> Hello, Tom. Hello, Tom Boyd at actually, actually there Tom. is an ancient version of Motel 6. So we'll get there in a second. <laughs> Let's talk economics. Did I mention because I have today We have business travel. <laughs> oh, okay. And, yes. you know, there is the type of travel where we go to the same place routinely, like, oh, every week, uh, you know, I, I had a friend who would f- literally fly from Boston to San Diego twice a month. And, you know, it, it sort of became wow. his home away from home. He was, he, he was an implementation consultant and that Damn. was his region. And he was, it, he loved it because he got to have literally like a, a home away from home. He had his favorite restaurants, his friends there, whatever. Wow. You know, but there's also the kind of business travel where you go somewhere really exotic. Oh, yes. And in that case, it's not unusual to take advantage of the fact that the company is underwriting the round trip plane ticket. Right. Because it doesn't cost them anything. In fact, you might even get them a cheaper deal if you take a couple of days. Right. Tack it on to the end of your business trip. Although you really should be working. I've done that for trips to Washington, D.C. to take a training class. I stayed over the weekend. Um, but you really should have been my, working. My first time to Boston, should I have been stayed working. through the weekend. I should took have been a training, working. training class on a Friday and stayed through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, New York City, I slept on my best friend Heather's couch. Hi, Heather. And Hi, Heather. <laughs> took <laughs> them me, Heather. <laughs> in exchange. And I cleared it with the bosses ahead of time. Hey, there's not going to be any hotel fare can I buy these guys dinner? We went to, um, oh my God, I can't believe I just blanked out the name of the restaurant. You went to a restaurant and bought them dinner. A fucking five star, 10 star. Amazing (laughs) restaurant. I know there's no such thing as a 10 star restaurant. I'm sorry. What was that seismic shift that was Michelin turning in his grave? (laughs) Michelin's like, what the fuck? I did not give anybody 10 stars. I did not give anybody that stuff. You you talk. I'm going to Google the fucking restaurant because anyway, that's going to drive me nuts. But, you know, people did that back in ye old ye old, you know, and they just had to juggle it a little bit more. So, you know, in ancient times, in terms of economics, think of, think of business travel and trade within a bigger socioeconomic and cultural picture. You begin to Jean see George. Their- Sorry. Jean George in Trump There's- Tower, New York City. There's a sizable chunk of the population that is involved in travel on a regular basis. Bankers, diplomats, sailors, cooks, scholars, traders, craftsmen. I mean, hell, that's where we get the word journeyman from. Accountants, livestock managers, textile merchants, food merchants, jewelers, tailors, farmers, you know, tax accountants. Wait, wait, wait. 
you've said accountants in here a couple of times. How do I get one of the accountants jobs that, tra- oh shit, the vodka's kicking in big time. Yeah, Kate. just just <laughs> work at a, any customs house. Or sign in to work with a merchant and do the ticking and tying of the inventory and bill of lading. But also, I mentioned war. Yes, you did. Think, you know, you had camp followers, cooks, prostitutes, surgeons, veterinarians. Like, Mm. you know, there was a whole subservice industry that would follow the armies where they marched. Wow. Same with diplomatic delegations. You had maids, manservants, cooks, physicians, secretaries, scribes, lawyers, stable managers, chariot mechanics, ladies in waiting, et cetera. (laughs) Chariot mechanics? I love that. (laughs) Look, I couldn't remember the word and I wrote that down. I now know it's called a Cartwright, whatever. Oh my God. That's good. That's going to be the graphic for the episode. (laughs) Chariot mechanic. Certified chariot mechanic. So... Um, you know, but think about it. I mean, Gaius Julius Caesar salad could have had a long, (laughs) literally putting the long in longevity career as a travel writer. If he just focused on publishing his travel experiences from war instead of wanting to get into politics. Uh, Hey kids, don't do politics. Just make money and change shit that way. Yeah. Anyway. All these ancient traveling people didn't exactly have smartphones to stare at or Tetris to pass the time. So they did what you actually should be doing when you are traveling, paying attention to the world around you. Oh, when I was a little kid, before there was any technology, this will tell you what the nerd and oh my God. The license plate game? No. I would have a blank sheet of paper and I would make tally marks for different categories of cars that would pass us on the opposite side of the road. (laughs) You had homemade Excel. I did. So I was making chart. I was collecting data of what passed us going the opposite direction. And and this is actually a very clear indication of how our brains work because when my family and I, my parents and I did car trips, like, and we did some long fucking car trips, we would play word games. And one of the games was the minister's dog. Never heard of it. And it's, it's a round robin game where you start, you pick an animal and, you know, the dog is the one you usually start with. And you would have to think of all of the um, adjectives that start with D. Oh. The minister's dog is a dainty dog. And then you would pick it up and say the minister's dog is a something that starts with D, dog. Okay. And then it would go, you know, the three of us, we would be pushing it like, Wow. We had arguments as to whether hyphenated adjectives. Counted. Oh my God. You know, and then we'd switch to cat or monkey. Like you, we, wow. that's just how we would, you know, and I think that's part of how my brain got wired for words. And again, um, interesting that your road trip activities were interactive with the other people in the car where mine were hundred percent solo. I mean, there was a fair amount of like solo time, but there were time, you know, on a 12 hour driving day. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. yeah. 12 hours to visit my dad's parents. There was no minister's games. dog. There was no games with anybody else in the car unless it was me and my brother in the back seat playing war. 
Oh, there you, there is that. Um, the card, card game war. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I was coming up with games, it was solo. Nobody in the front seat was participating. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Mom was in the front seat reading her Bible. Oh, that's fun. So. <laughs> Moving uh, on. Somebody who should have <laughs> been reading his Bible in the front seat. Yes. This is how we get the genre, the fictional literary genre of travelogues and letters across history. Like even Jonathan Harker from Dracula <gasps> writes a shit ton in his goddamn diary when he should have been reading his Bible, knowing what oh was coming up. God. Being scared witless most of the time. And he's writing with a pen and ink stand. So it's not like he can just click the bick and scrawl stuff in his diary whenever he wants. Like right. you actually had to work at writing. Oh my God. Yes. But more on that when we do drunk Dracula gals. Yes, I can't wait to do that. Oh, I'm so excited. So if you think about tourism specifically, as in purposefully taking a vacation and traveling to go see something, yes, you then have to ask, how did the ancient folks know that there was shit to see, how to get there, and where to stay, eat, etc.? Ooh, 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 Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. <laughs> yeah. Is that reference lost on you? No, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Welcome back, Kata. Yes. So probably you had to have the first person who did it, but then they go do the traveling and see shit and come back and tell people. Yep. And they or would they even get, publish it. Or they get to their destination and tell the people there yeah. where they came from. Oral tradition, baby. Oral and even, tradition, word of mouth. Tradition, oral tradition. <laughs> um, but, you know, you even had literary tradition again. People wrote travelogues. Herodotus, right. Pausanias, like they went places and wrote about it. But yes. This brings us full circle back to that amazing book that literally changed my life, Tourism in History. Okay. So Maxine Pfeiffer, who is the author, first of all, reminds us, as she should, that tourism was a thing in almost all cultures, not just Western European oriented, the Western European oriented experience that we default to. Okay. China, Japan, India, various African cultures all had some version of this concept of going someplace to see something or experience something different that would change something about yourself or maybe just to have fun. Wow. And I'm just blown away by in, this. In point of fact, she highlights that the concept of a nature vacation, like going to see cherry blossoms or a spectacular waterfall, is something yeah. that was very much present and a part of Chinese, uh, Japanese, Korean, East Asian cultures long before wow. it actually became part of Western cultures. Wow. So, you know, don't stay stuck in your one cultural context because it's fun to look at others. Maybe that has something to do with <laughs> travel and tourism and recreation. I don't know. But anyway, the first chapter of her book is called The Imperial Roman Tourist. Fuck the Romans. And <laughs> she takes us through three typical Roman vacations. And before she gets into this, she points out that while travel did happen, and even just traveling to see stuff, the mass concept of tourism really couldn't take hold until the first and second centuries CE during a period that was known as the Pax Romanus. 
Okay. So if we go back to our little timelines in our brains. I'm trying. uh, You don't have to. I'm going to do it for you. It's very uh, watery with vodka. (laughs) Time is fluid. It's Um, very fluid. It's literally fluid and it's in my veins. Time Um, is vodka. (laughs) So if we remember that Gaius Julius Caesar salad bit the big one in 44 BCE. BCE. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, afterwards there was like a, oh shit, somebody got assassinated. Oh wait, this is Rome. That happens every day. Um, <laughs> you, cut his nephew, you get to be emperor now. Okay. After a little bit of fighting. So. Sure. About, you know, 30, 25, 30 years after his assassination, you really start to see a solidification of the dominance of Roman expansion. It's when we go from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. Okay. And And I know from church, from Catholic church, Pax means peace. Mm -hmm. So, Exactly. And it's this claim to be this remarkable age of 200 years of world peace, at least, you know, if you have your ancient Mediterranean is the world blinders on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That allowed unprecedented progress in many areas. And yeah, sure, it did. But remember, the Pax Romanus has a flip side because the Romans came, saw, and fucking conquered. Too bad for your little bijou civilization there. It was nice while it lasted, but hey, it's for a better cause because we have manifest destiny on our side. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wrong history. Oh, wait. No, no, not wrong history. Nothing is fucking new. Shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. You'll have to explain that one day when I'm not deep in the vodka. Manifest destiny was the American sense of entitlement towards westward expansion damn indigenous civilizations because they're not christian anyway oh and that mindset still exists today yeah Yeah. i said it i fucking said it that's right sorry my work here is done (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously it's the whole point of you know oh maybe we have things outside of our little socioeconomic cultural blinders that we should probably take a look at but anyway But from a practical perspective, it was useful because the Pax Romanus meant you could travel pretty much anywhere in the Roman Empire if you were a free citizen and male or a free female citizen accompanied by male family, never by yourself, with relative ease and safety. Yeah, I'm rolling my eyes over the little Yeah, you can see the inside of your skull. You're rolling them so hard. Anyway. But for example, the only highway robbery you were likely to experience on the extensive and well-maimed maintained Roman roads were uh, being overcharged at inns, buying overpriced souvenirs, or getting a wicked case of fleas and bedbugs. Wait, they had souvenirs? Oh, we're going to get to that. <gasps> oh, I can't wait. But you could also use water, you know, oh. to go around the empire because piracy, because remember we talked about the pirates who kidnapped Caesar? Right? Yes. That got clamped down on big time. Oh, okay. It's not completely eradicated, but, you know, instead of like a 60-40 chance that you're going to get shit fucked up by pirates, it's more like a 20% chance. Wow. Okay. You have a higher chance of having a highway accident. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so there was something to be said for the Pax Romanus in terms of enabling travel. Okay. And Pfeiffer does something that I 
absolutely love. She puts us in the shoes of a moderately well-to-do resident of Imperial Rome. Moderately well-to-do. Okay. Yes. So middle class, is that what we're middle talking about? Middle management, upper government bureaucrat. So upper middle class? Upper middle class. Okay. You know, but there were still some middle class folks who could manage a certain level of vacation. And we'll talk about that. Okay. I grew um, up in the bottom of middle class. Yeah, I grew up in the cultural upper class, but the economic, not quite upper class. Yeah, economically, my household was at the very bottom of middle class mm -hmm. when I was really young. We got older and we, you know, moved up the middle class bracket. Not up. But anyway, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Right? Vodka. Um, so, you know. He might be a government bureaucrat taking advantage of the August recess of legislative and legal bodies, because even today, Roman August is a kind of punishment for your sins, whether you did them or not. Oh, I'm guessing because of the heat? Is that what you're referring to? Ancient Rome might have had sewers and plumbing, but it still stank. <gasps> oh, yeah. And it was crowded and noisy and pretty fucking dangerous at night with stabbings, rapes, and theft more likely than not. You just described New York City. <laughs> Sorry, especially Sorry, in the New York. I love you, New York. But yeah, New York it. in August is about like Rome in August. And it's the heat. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. But like so many middle managers or administrators, our Roman dude is trying to climb not only the economic ladder, but the cultural ladder. And oh. travel was definitely seen as a way to do it. Okay. It's kind of the status of, hey, my family finally got to take. A uh, European vacation. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I see Chevy Chase in my head. <laughs> That's exactly what I was trying to remember the uh, title of the movie. National Lampoon's. That's vacation. it. I was like Chevy Chase goes to Europe. I'm like, that's not the title of the movie. Anyway, National Lampoon. <laughs> yeah, it, it's literally this guy is National Lampoon. Oh, European I love vacation. it. So I love it. And we'll eventually abandon him and move on to the upper classes but okay i'm i'm taking us i'm getting us on the road from the low end so okay. if he didn't have a long time just a couple of weeks he'd take his family to the seaside to a resort town called baie baie okay and it is on the coast near the city of naples which yes actually existed back then too oh okay so, um i've included just a screenshot and I, I yep. didn't have time to draw the actual road like the okay. line but you can see Rome and then you can see the pinpoint yes it is coastal and I gotta zoom in a little bit more because of my eyes it is not far north from Sorrento Italy. which I've been to oh my god Sorrento is amazing um yeah. but Anyway, the um, it's actually right next to Naples. Okay. And it's because I put that pin down that you can't see, but Naples is like literally right there. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> but Baye needs its own deep dive literally because a lot of it is underwater. <laughs> <gasps> oh, yeah. We'll be diving. Oh, yeah. Quotes. <laughs> I don't that. know. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but... Baye was like Miami Beach meets Las Vegas and pretends to be the French Riviera all in one. Oh, damn. And it was pretty easy to get to. 
because oh. Baie was only 100 miles from Rome. I'm doing a, I'm thinking in my head, that's less than two hours by modern day time. Right. By and a car. you just took the Via Domitiana, and that was the name for one of the main Roman major roads, because the Romans okay. were famous for their roads. Right. Um, straight down. It's like taking their 405 to the 101. <laughs> but literally, you would take the Via Domitiana, um, and you could... It, the, this road was chock full of wagons and horses and people on foot. Um, and oh. it only took four days at a moderate pace for a family group traveling in combination wagon and by foot to get there. Okay. All right. You know, that's like, what, yeah. 25 miles a day, which is not, if you're in a cart, that's not impossible. Right. That's roughly a marathon a day if you're walking. Right. Well, walking but walking not, it, you yeah. know, again, in ancient times where you walked everywhere, that's not quite as big of a stretch. Right. You know, so. They were always in marathon shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were poor, you were. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, it, you know, it only took four days at a moderate pace, which could be short or four fucking ever if you've been on one of those family road trips as we just oh, talked yes. about. Yes. Yes. And it wasn't just your family. Because if you were doing a budget package, sure, you'd hop aboard an ancient version of a Greyhound bus, which was literally a giant wagon with a canopy if you paid for the economy upgrade and benches that everyone shared. Damn. They literally had these wagons. Yeah. And you'd also have to (laughs) buy your ticket or hire an entire wagon for your family outside the walls. It, It was going to the wagon rental place outside the walls of the city because you couldn't, uh, Rome didn't allow non-commercial vehicular traffic inside the city limits. Okay, Kate, my brain is going into the whole modern ticket purchasing and the whole the car rental whole, commercials. Yeah, the the logistics of okay, what if too many people show up one day for this bus? And I'm doing air quotes wagon, and there's not enough this wagon, more people than bench space. What? Well, they couldn't they weren't they buying send, tickets they online send, in advance? They weren't reserving a spot. How well, no, that... but you could. You could send your slave out to the wagon gathering place and have them broker Damn. a deal. You know, okay. on this third day of this month, you know, we will be blah blah blah. You could you could wow. reserve to a certain degree, but if there was a sudden rush. You know, the wagoneers would simply box the ears of whatever young lad was helping them out and say, go run down the road, two miles down the road and tell my my cousin who lives with me to get off his ass and get his wagon out here. We need an extra wagon. Yeah. (laughs) Like they didn't exactly have departure times that were nailed down like what we're used to. Right. But families and households could rent mini wagon caravans. Like you'd have to have your servants, you'd you know, even a relatively modest family traveling group would have a couple of servants or slaves that went with them. Okay. And, um, you know, so anyway, and, or you'd be on a super slow wagon that was heavily loaded down, shared with a couple of other people, and your slaves would just have to trot to keep up behind. Are you serious? Yes. And 
one of the things that these wagons didn't have were shock absorbers. Oh, so it was a rough ride, (laughs) literally. Well, so the clever Romans figured out how to solve this problem, at least if you were rich, you got human shock absorbers. What? That's right. If you were rich, you hired a fucking litter chair or litter palanquin that was carried by anywhere between eight and 12 slaves. What? Wait, wait, wait. You mean like those things we see in the movies yes. where the dude all the way, is all hundred miles, sitting baby. in a... Holy fuck. Oh, my God. And, you know, these would be slaves with the natural human kneecap and ankle joint chalk absorbers. Oh, fuck. Far more comfortable. Damn. And they were slaves because how else would you get away with whipping the litter litter bearers who dared oh. to slack while carrying your fat, sweating, toga-wrapped ass through 100-degree weather for 100 miles? Damn it. Now, not everyone in a family okay. or household got a chance to ride in a litter. There'd still yeah. be the cart contingent, like the upper servants, and also people who had to slog it on foot while carrying things because you got to be efficient. You can't just drag your servant 100 miles. They have to carry something while they're doing it. And of there was course. a lot of shit to carry. Oh, I because bet. Because even if you were doing the budget thing and staying at the established inns along the side of the road, you were still going to need to bring your own clothing, toiletries, bedding, cookware, dishware, etc. Cookware and dishware? Yep. Oh, this predates any sort of food service restaurant, doesn't it? Not, not so much that. It's that inns were not particularly in the business of providing food because right. remember issues of food storage, you never knew how many people would be coming through on a given day. Right. And so you ran the risk of a lot more waste. Yeah. And yep. less profit. So, you know, yeah. they they had you you've been to those parks where they have like the set up barbecue pits. Okay. Yeah. You know, everybody can do a public barbecue and there are like six different barbecuing grills and picnic right. tables that's right. m- they they provide you with a space to set up your cookware wow but you had okay. to do your own cooking right now if you were traveling in style you didn't bother with the inns because nobody needed fleas you just set up camp <gasps> as in silk tents with gilt wooden beds screens couches tables chairs chamber pots and of course you can't leave the good china at home Some extravagant travelers would bring along a servant whose whole purpose was to carry one or two pieces of extremely delicate glassware or china. Holy shit. Glamping is not new. Nothing is fucking new. (laughs) Because if I ever go camping, it's got to be glamping. (laughs) Yeah. My name is Octavius. I am the glass soup terrine bearer. Like, that is my purpose in life. I carry this soup terrine 100 miles back and forth. I mean, look, was it a lot? Sure. On the other hand, did it provide employment? Trickle down economics? Oh, wait, slavery? Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say. Did I mention the young love slave boys who travel as part of the household entourage? What? Yeah, they got to wear ancient the ancient equivalent of sunscreen to protect their lovely complexions, i.e. masks that probably had them sweating and breaking out instead. Wait, love slave boys? Yeah. 
Are you going to dive into this? Uh, Not in this moment, but I mean, just think back to what we've talked about in terms of the ancient Greeks. And if the Romans were like, you know what? We'll just take everything Greek and make it worse. Oh, shit. You're right. You can. You're right. You can connect the dots. Yeah. Damn it. You would think that not having to pay slaves meant the man of the family was feeling pretty good about saving money on this vacation. But remember, they had to be fed, clothed, and sheltered, especially clothed to reflect the status of the owner. Oh, wow. And there are instances in satirical and non-satirical contemporary Roman literature where the husband is literally ranting he'll have to sell himself into gladiatorial servitude to pay for this goddamn vacation. Oh my God, that's so common. That's same Nothing shit to happens today. We were 4th of July. Did I mention we went? To, I did mention we went yes. to Disney. This <laughs> You're yeah. complaining about the price of everything. Oh my yep. God. Well, you can always tell him he can sell himself into gladiatorial service to pay for the next trip. I'm dying. Okay. But, so, you know, 26 miles, 25 miles in a day doesn't seem like a lot, except when you think that all of this setup had to be put up and taken down oh, every day on the right. Road. Damn. And They're inevitably setting it up every single day. Damn. Yeah. And inevitably, there were times you needed maintenance and services on the road, but never fear. Mm. They had a version of ye old Michelin map. And literally, okay. it would be the equivalent of Google Maps with a Yelp connection today. Okay. <laughs> it was called, hold on, an itinerarium. <gasps> like itinerary? Is that where we get the word? Yup. Oh, damn. Wow. And okay. there were some maps that showed various parts of the Cursus Publicus, which is literally the network of all Roman roads in every any given part of the empire. Oh, my God. Kate, please tell me there's a graphic of one of these ancient maps. Yes. Please, please. please. Oh, I can't wait. I can't so, wait. And I, I have now been, that's part of the reason I was a little delayed in getting to recording because I, I fell down that rabbit hole. Oh, so I'm so happy they had you fell down that rabbit hole. measurement of a Roman mile. Okay. Which was ev- the length between left footstep and the next left footstep. Oh, okay. So it was left, right, left. Got it. Now, this exact measurement was a little loosey-goosey because it depended on whose footsteps you were using right. for measurements. Right. A hardened mercenary versus a flabby emperor. <laughs> Or me. I take much bigger steps than Sam does. Yeah. My my legs are longer. You can be like, bitch, catch up. It's a Roman mile. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but there were also indications of geographical features, towns, monuments, and service stations at inns of varying levels of resources, where you could get medical services, veterinarians, cartwrights, ancient mechanics, uh, porters, uh, valets, grooms, freshwater, etc., now this is I so Google Map. <laughs> I have a fragment here that we'll eventually talk about. It's the okay. Tabula Putin Geriana. Putin. Uh, I don't speak Latin. I don't speak Latin. Putin No it clue. Depends whether it's a hard G or a soft G. <laughs> yeah. But it's a 13th century copy of a possible late imperial Roman original. So we're talking like 300, 400 CE. Okay. Got it. 13th century. Wouldn't that be 1,200? Well, it, 
Yes, that would be the 1200s, but late Imperial Roman would be the okay. 300s, 400s. Oh, uh, so the it was a co- the copy was of, made in the 1200s. Exactly. But the original dates all the way further back to whatever you just said. Right. The and this is just a it. particular little fragment of it. Okay. Uh, can I scroll now? Yes, you can scroll. Oh my God, Kate, I love it. <laughs> it's your next tattoo. <laughs> next tattoo. Oh, wow. Holy shit. It's so detailed. Yeah. So much more detailed than I expect. I need, okay. I am maximizing this shit on my screen full screen to see this. I love, 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 love this. Now, there are times when I will read a fiction novel series mm-hmm. that might have a map in it. Oh, I love that. I always go to the map. Yes. And that's what this reminds me of. This has now, the whole vibe like a it's fiction It's very book. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Now, or I will me, never... I, I uh, hate when you have a like a detective novel yeah. and they have a floor plan of the house. And I'm like, bitch, if you can't do it in words, don't give me a floor plan. Right, 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 right. That's too much. Um, Chronicles of Narnia. That's, I've different talked about that on yep. Patreon. That's what I grew up reading. There was map. Yeah. yeah. That's what this reminds me of. Now, oh my God, I love there's it. There's something I want to point out yes. that you will see. And I'm, I know I'm stealing a little bit of your thunder by doing the description, but it's because it's okay. there's something specific I want to point out. Okay. You'll see these little markings, two little huts with little triangle roofs. And then you'll see a slightly larger two building, but it's got a, you know, it's got a courtyard. <gasps> yes. I see and, the difference. Mm-hmm. And you'll see, so the... The indication and size and elaborateness, there used to be kind of a key code of what level of services you could expect. <gasps> it's like the Monopoly, the house versus the hotel. <laughs> well, it, it's like literally if you, um, you know, that, uh, hang on, let me, I, I will find the page and actually quote the thing from the book because it's amazing. Um, I'm just like drooling so, over this picture. Okay. This picture will absolutely a square within be a square. in the not to scale. Okay. A square within a square, uh, absolutely, it symbolized a courtyard signifying a first class inn, supplying grooms, porters, cartwrights, veterinarians, two triangles surmounting a rectangular, uh, a rectangle was a country house, which was less fancy, kind of like a B and B, but oh. buyer beware B and B. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and then again, you have indications that there are, you know, uh, larger cities and monuments, and you see little bits of mountains and things like that. Yes. We're going to do a whole episode on this one. I love this map. I'm so yeah. I'm not at all influenced by the vodka right now. No, None. Not no, of at course. No. So <laughs> when uh, our tourist arrived at Baye, there yes. was no Hilton or Marriott. There oh. were boarding houses. Okay. But to stay on vacation in a building that you had to share with others. Oh. Um. They didn't have as positive a view of things like Motel 6 that we do now. 
Wow. Hi, Tom. Okay. We love Hi, you. Hi, Tom. We love you. Leave the light on for us. <laughs> but they were much more into ancient Airbnb. Okay. They literally had, you know, networks of people who traveled to and from, and they would share descriptions of rentals and timeshares and villas and what the desirable amenities were. Wow. And if you were lucky, you went in with your friends and you would actually rent one of these villas or buy them or, you know, timeshare it. Nothing is new. So you you knew if it had Wi-Fi or not. (laughs) More important than Wi-Fi was the quality of the ornamental fish pond. (gasps) Not the plumbing? I I figured the first thing would be indoor plumbing. Oh, no, because that's already assumed. Oh. We're talking, you know, an amenity that's like private heated saltwater pool today, you know. Well, damn. Okay. Ornamental fish pond. Ornamental fish pond. Take a look at your fish tank. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm about to make you feel really bad about it because- Oh, I'm sure. What could it be if you bought a kitty-sized pool and tricked it out with gold, marble fish tank-sized faux ruins and koi that were trained to come and fist bump you with their heads in order to be fed? Oh, my God. Also, waterfalls, statues of naked boys, and giving your fish gold jewelry. There was this one chick, Lady Antonia, who actually put gold jewelry on her fish. Holy shit. Fenrir the fish will not hold still long enough to put it in. You haven't trained him. him. <laughs> I haven't trained him. And literally, and there were set. some fish ponds that had <laughs> like such renown and were so elaborate that they were open to the public. And by public, I mean freeborn male citizens. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and their families, not the hoi Wow. But there was also occasionally a practical practical purpose for these fish ponds, such as raising fish for the dinner table. Although sometimes various hosts would act really fucking precious and weep over the fish that they were eating that they had just petted earlier that day, even though they right. knew they were going to eat them. <gasps> yeah. And the Romans weren't exactly known for their emotional sensitivity. And another practical application, you could use the fish pond to dispose of slaves you didn't want anymore or just for the fun of it, such as the one <gasps> dude named Vedius Polo, who used to entertain dinner guests by feeding human slaves to a pool of eels. What the fuck? Holy shit. What? You are not nearly ambitious enough with your fish tank, Jen. I'm just saying. Oh, my <laughs> God. So this is like... <sighs> Oh, my God. So these villas were (laughs) spectacular. Or were, because like I said, some of the shit is underwater now. Some of them had gardens that would have fountains of wine. What? Make it a Jack Daniels fountain, and now you're fucking talking. Vodka, I'm there. Right. Again, with the fish theme, you could start your day with fishing from your bed. Oh, my God. Because if there was one thing the Romans really worked hard at, it was multitasking at being lazy. Oh. So some villas would have the best bedrooms built overhanging the water. So you could literally just grab that rod after the slave baited it. Naturally, you wouldn't touch that. Right. um, And toss the line out the window that was next to your bed and catch your breakfast fish without having to get out of bed. Damn. I mean, today, that's the kind of thing that we see on these websites with, like, the hut in, in, I just, right, 
damn vodka. Or another Airbnb yeah. over the top amenity. The 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 hut that sits out over the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally the Fiji, the Fiji vacation yeah. huts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Add that to the itinerary. Um, on a Writing similar, it down. <laughs> on a similarly aquatic but less fishy note, you could take a morning dip in the heated pool while watching the waves crash against the cliffs below. Yeah, ye old zero clearance pool, nothing is new. Wow. Hot tub? It, is that it, basically no, it was just a heated about? pool. It, it, it wasn't a hot tub. It was with jets oh. or anything. It was just heated. So it wasn't, oh. you know. It, How were they it, heating it? Uh, there's a whole thing. You can't on- tell me there's a heated pool in these primitive culture. Primitive. The, well, well, it's not because yeah, they, not they literally had hot air flues where they would create steam and then yeah. use the steam to force it through um, pipes underneath floors and pools and whatever. Damn. Heated floors. Damn these people. Right? Okay. So lunchtime rolls around and you oh. could enjoy it at home or meet up with friends and fellow travelers at each other's villas. The women would wear beautiful silk, uh, ga- you know, togas and roses in their hair, which was kind of the equivalent of going about in a bikini advertising you wanted to get some because roses in Roman culture meant sex. Oh. Um, yeah. And it, I'm making a note to not wear roses in our hair when we go on our world tour. But, but I mean, the thing is, like, where do you wear a bikini? On the you know, beach or on at the, the pool. beach at the pool. You know, you you do that because it's hot and it's in some ways practical, but also there's a little oh, no, bit no, of no, 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 aspect of it, right? You yeah. Temperature has nothing to do with the selection of what you buy at the store for bikini. (laughs) It all has to do with ass coverage, frankly. (laughs) And and what's going to bring the, the, well, sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) What's going to bring the goldfish to the yard, right? (laughs) So, you know, they'd have these wonderful long lunches where they would just eat and drink and lounge under outdoor pergolas and shade tree for hours. I mean, I get that. And I yeah. hate that I get that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you didn't have lunch plans, you could catch an Uber, I mean litter, into the center <laughs> of town for some shopping or take a stroll along Lucrine Lake uh, or along the beach itself. Oh. You could go for an afternoon cruise on a rented or friend's yacht, complete with gold-fringed canopies, slave galley uh, propulsion, and prostitutes oh. and, you know. Whatever. Damn, damn. Now, the budget tourist could also experience the joys of boating, except he'd end up having to rent a rowboat. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if boating wasn't your thing, you could go for the famous Sulphur Hot Springs. And it was legit a spa day and a day spa for the ages. It had marble, it had fountains, bathing basins, terraces, stairways, strolling avenues, massage rooms. And while it didn't have ambient new age music, they did have jugglers, dancers, beauty experts available for consult, yield Ulta, nothing is new, food sellers, <laughs> and other entertainment. I want to go on a vacation now. <laughs> right? God damn you, Romans. While the wealthiest tourists didn't really eat outside a home setting, theirs or their friends' villas, or, you know, home away from home on a boat, everyone else did. 
And oh. there were eateries that ranged from literal outdoor fast food counters where you'd get the Roman equivalent of a Big Mac meal, bread, sausage, and a cup of watered-down wine. Oh, wow. For a single price. I, I actually have a photo of one of these counters that I saw in Pompeii. Very cool. It's crazy because you literally can see like the two basins where they would just s- scoop and serve. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then um, the crown of the uh, local cuisine. Cuisine. You're picking on me because I can't say I that with a French cuisine? pronunciation. <laughs> Were the oysters. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, there's a lot of legend about oysters being aphrodisiacs. Yes, yes, yes. Part of it. I don't well, get it. Put a pin in that. We will okay. get to that in one second. But oh, um, remember the escargot versus escar stop episode where I talked <laughs> about that enterprising Roman. Was that on Patreon? Yes. Or was that? But okay. we also released it wide. And it oh. was back in May. Okay. And it was the Roman entrepreneur who decided how to figure out how to farm snails. Yes. I love the guy. So apparently he had a buddy, I mean, uh, not literally a buddy, but, you know, this guy was like, ooh, Lake Lucrine is perfect for saltwater oyster farming. Let me figure out how to do this. And his name was Sergius Orata, and he was a real estate speculator. Yes, they had those back in the day. Wow. He also invented the shower bath. Shower bath. You know, like, like what we stand in every day? Bathroom. Yes. Okay. Because wow. they had an ancient version of, you know, filling buckets and pouring it, and it was right. quasi-automated with ropes and pulleys and shit. Oh. So, yeah, fuck the Romans. Seriously. Wow. Now, um, what day of touring is complete without a souvenir? I told you we'd come back to the souvenir. Yes. Souvenirs. You could buy a little glass vial or vase with the Baye Lighthouse, the Lucrine Oyster Bed, various parks and other places of note painted on it oh my goodness you know like the a tourist, yeah or or the tourist <laughs> towel you know dish towel right. that has like all the points you know painted in cartoon nothing yes. is fucking new i love it dinner parties were predictably extravagant there were villas that had canals and pools in the middle of the dining halls oh damn you and know you what there's served- a there's a restaurant in um, Epcot in Disney that has a canal that runs through the side of it. And you can actually take a boat ride in the canal. It's in Mexico. Anyway. I we, and add that to the itinerary. Yes. You and I are going to ride that fucking boat. God damn it. That's a whole conversation for later. Yeah. yeah. Spring that on me. Fine. Okay, fine. I will ride that goddamn boat. But basically, <laughs> like... You know, they they would have canals with like little mini boats where you could be rowed up and down to change, you know, go visit your friends on the triclinium, uh, wow. you know, uh, the couch across the canal, you know, it, it was a very cir- circulation oriented dinner. Or okay. they actually, so you've been in those uh, sushi restaurants where they actually have a conveyor belt. Oh, yes. We have one here called Cowfish in Raleigh. Cowfish. Hi, Cowfish. We're going to hit you up. We're going to, and if you're interested in sponsoring us. Anyway, but they had a version of that where dishes on floating trays were floated by you and you could just reach over and pick out what you wanted. Wow. Now, once the sun goes down, 
Oh, shit. We get into a whole other Baie. Oh, damn. Baie what happens in Baie? After dark. in Baie. <laughs> and remember the oysters? And I told you to put a pin in it? Yes. Um, there's a reason that these famous Baie oysters became associated with debauchery and <gasps> hedonism Ooh. because Baie was a code word for getting fucked up and fucking shit up and fucking whatever you can. Oh, I love it. I love, so love, love it. You would have uh, floating brothels out on the bay stocked with noble ladies. Like Nero would make sure that they were stocked with all noble ladies okay. um, whenever he came to town. And um, they would throw roses from their hair into the bay. So you'd have this carpet of moonlit roses floating on the surface of the water with the torches and the barges and everything. Yeah, it was, again. And if young ladies weren't your thing, there were plenty of barges that had boys and young men painted and dressed to look like young ladies that you could pick from. Obviously, it varies uh, price points based on beauty and social and other skills. Damn. Oh, fuck. Okay. And literally the orgies of Baie are legendary and need an episode all of their own because I still got more. Oh, damn. Just like when you go to visit one big town, there are other smaller towns or day trips that are fun to explore and have different things to offer, right? Oh, like you go to New York City and then you take a little trip out to Brooklyn. Exactly. So near Baie was a town called Putioli. And it wasn't quite as quaint or luxurious, but it had banks and basically ancient versions of the Pony Express. So money matters and political business and other business could be taken care of in an afternoon. Because remember mm-hmm. in the days before Apple Pay, you actually, when you <laughs> right. traveled abroad, you had to exchange money. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, um, yep. and you had to go to the bank and then you had to buy <laughs> postcards and send a letter and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes <laughs> wait in the way back, the post office was the only place you could find a public phone that you could make an international call from. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, but Pudioli also had a pretty decent coliseum that offered stadium-worthy spectacles, Roman style, i.e. involving a lot of fucking gratuitous death by wild animals, other people, and complete with an updated schedule of upcoming events painted on the outside walls. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like Ticketmaster painted on the outside of the wall. (laughs) And some, you know, gladiators gladiators were a big thing and okay there were people who were big fans of specific gladiators and they would follow their tour dates provided they survived the next match and try and coincide vacations with seeing them holy shit not unlike deadheads and other groupies wild i have a neighbor who is who follows a particular band that i just yeah. Because of the vodka, I cannot pull up the name it's of the band. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah. there are people who will travel to see baseball teams or who will yep. see a band or they, they're they a fan of a wrestler. Like, yeah, nothing is fucking wow. new. Now, after all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you might be feeling a little guilty about not getting some cultural value out of your trip. <laughs> but fear not. Okay. Just up the road was Naples, another day trip, which had originally oh. been a Greek city. Okay. Because the Greeks actually were colonizing Italy before the Romans kind of got their shit together. So 
Uh, Naples still had a sizable Greek population. Most of them actually worked by day as corn merchants. They grew corn and shipped it and sold it and whatever. But they're like, you know what? Okay. We can side gig it and actually pretend to be, you know, ancient Greeks for the fun of making some side money. All right. And they had a traditional Greek gymnasium. We talked about Eek. the gymnasium yep. in the Olympics. They we had did. an amphitheater where they would put on dramas and performances. Yeah. And they had, it was a favorite retirement spot. It was like the Naples, what? Florida for retired Socratic scholars who wanted to pad their retirement funding by adding atmosphere and annoying aphorisms to dinner parties, street performances, etc. No way. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. You could even stay for a day or two in yield style Greek villas and live the quaint Greek life wearing more casual and probably comfortable simple Greek tunics, hosting Greek style dinners complete with those pretentious poetry and philosophy recitations, eating Greek food, and in total shocking and not at all different turn of events, having noble young Greek boys attend you. Oh, fuck. Can't they just stop at the the uh, no, the no, grape leaves? Can't. The stuffed grape leaves. They can't because now think of it as taking one of those international village parts of Epcot and adding a bunch of Airbnbs and kinky sex to go with the quaint and not too burdensome <sighs> exposure to another culture. Okay, if we're in France, I'm on board. But no, <laughs> <laughs> shit, did I say that out loud? I you did. know, it's okay. <laughs> but basically. You know, the thing is, the Romans did this and they liked to play at another culture. Oh. And that's kind of what's so infuriating about the Roman tourist in this particular instance, and maybe about okay. ourselves. Like, they yeah. wanted to experience a change of scenery and even a change of culture or a bygone past, but they wanted it without having to work for it or actually challenge them to experience it at a deeper level that pushed them just a little bit out of their comfort zone. Interesting. Now, I'm not saying we have to do that. I'm far more right. cool with Baye because it's debauched but honest. Yeah. They were there to have a literal fucking good time, and I am yeah. all for it. Yes. But this precious trying on of another culture – gets under my skin for a variety of reasons. Now, I wonder, is this an example? Okay, I have a personal example mm -hmm. that might be what you're describing. It might not. Mm -hmm. Hashtag vodka. Before Sam and I went on our trip in May to Paris and London... I had to stop and think, where else did we go? We went, what other city do we go? We went to London. My city of London. I love London. London, I love you. Do you want to sponsor us? <laughs> I'll do an episode um, on Roman London. It'll be fun. Um, before I went, I I went shopping for clothing to blend in. That is actually not necessarily what I'm talking about here. Okay. I have now what I call my Paris shoes. Right. What because I bought them specifically to blend in with the uber current fashion right. trend in Paris. 
what I'm so talking I would about not stick out like a sore but the, thumb. But here's the difference. Okay. You respected that this is a different culture with a different mindset and it's not inferior to me. Oh, I view them as superior, right. which but the might Romans be a, would be a like bad thing in itself. The Romans would be like, isn't that cute? Oh shit, they're southerns. They're they, southern they, Americans. They are southern they are a certain type of Southern American. I don't want to paint with the full brush. Nope. Um, but they are that type of tourist that gives Americans Fuck. a bad name abroad. I hate those people. What? Okay, yeah. I shouldn't say hate. No, that's no. I don't hate them. I dislike. <laughs> I cringe. Sorry. And then the fact yeah. that I'm cringing and wasting my time cringing about this makes me moderately homicidal so yeah i'm I'm, I'm related to those people yeah i mean again it's it's literally that you know the clearest cringiest example that i can paint is um an american on a caribbean vacation i did that last summer but again, you weren't saying, oh, look at these people. It's so quaint. Oh, hell no. I was like, oh, my God, I want to move here and invest money and help these people. That was right. my mindset. How can I help these people? But, but you know, it, it, it's not like um, it's kind of like and this is an imperfect example. And I'm you know, it's been a long day working on this episode and I'm a little, I'm at the bottom of my day? can. Tried two months working but, on it. You know, the final touches took it out of yes. me. But <laughs> the sort of cringe factor I'm trying to describe yes. is the teenage white girl getting her hair braided in Jamaica oh. and then feeling like it makes her bonded with the locals. Oh my God. Yeah. Just like, because you hate you know someone. What? Get your hair braided because it's fun. It gives money to the people who are doing a job for it. Right. But it doesn't make you one of them. Right. It doesn't allow you to sample right. the culture and pretend like you get it now. And yeah, you know, take it for what it's worth. Be respectful of the experience. Yep. Be uh, humble about the fact that you're different and go from there. Yes. But that that's kind of like the Romans were getting their Jamaican braids done and being like, I'm Jamaican now. Oh, shit. That's why it infuriates me. And that's why I can jump on board with you saying – Fuck the Romans. There we go. So, yeah, that is the example of the Roman beach vacation. And honestly, now I want to go to Baye and I want a, a hedonistic beach vacation. God damn it. I hate the uh, fact that I this part of the Romans, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Ooh. Damn it. Now, um, I have to stop because there is a part two. Oh, don't we have another thing, another topic that's like got there, another? There's the Roman equivalent. So this was like the Romans go to Florida. Okay. 
The next version is the Romans go to Europe. Oh, fuck. National Lampunas. <laughs> National Lampunas. I love it. <laughs> National Lampunas is Florida vacation. National Lampunas is European vacation. Yeah. And I can also only handle so much pretentious rage and hypocrisy yeah. in a day. Right. Now, uh, after this episode, I'll be going to open another canned margarita and sit in my pool and pretend I'm Roman. Yes. <laughs> now... But we do have a second uh, where we're going to come back with just a minute of uh, questions and shit. Yes. We now return to the Drunk Mythology Gals for part two, questions and shit. So um, this is just a little sort of general reaction area to talk about. And I included a bunch of photos and you, you know, yeah, we can pick and choose some of them and discuss them and put them in the not to scale. But you know, I like can... there's a cute little photo of a lakeside community that reminds me of Boardwalk at the Beach at Walt Disney World in Orlando. Mm-hmm. That's the first picture. That's the first thought. I am so, can I just say, I am so drunk right now. Holy shit, Kate. <laughs> it has been a while since we have actually lived up to our name, and I'm not nearly there enough, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm feeling my loosey-goosey rage coming up. But this yeah. is this amazing French artist, Jean-Claude uh, Golvin. He's an archaeological artist, and he specializes okay. in these sort of reconstruction illustrations, because this is I a goddamn it. illustration. It's beautiful. He has books of these ancient oh. illustrations. And yeah, wow. uh, my birthday is next May, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but we need you know, to create you a Google wish list that we share out with the rest of the right? world. Right? <laughs> I saw his website and I was like, I'm a bit. Um, but, you know, it gives you a sense of what ancient Baie might have looked like. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, this is again based on archaeological and I I find that these well-done illustrations often are extremely helpful for um people who have not been to actual archaeological sites and know how to look at them and sort of build it up visually in your mind. Like it takes a little bit, it's like getting back into the groove of a foreign language, but when okay. I go to these sites at first, I'm like, oh, this is just a bunch of stones in a zigzag pattern. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Here's the wall. Here's the corridor. Here's, you know, here's where the stair- right. storeroom was. But, you know, I begin to be able to literally sort of transpose my inner vi- vision and reconstruction right. onto what I'm seeing. Yeah. Again, it's like getting back up to speed with a foreign language when you travel. But Yeah. Um, you know, I also included a couple pictures of stuff that is under the water. Scrolling. Oh, shit. That's a statue. Yep. Damn. That's a statue of Bacchus in uh, the remains of a triclinium. <gasps> Did we talk about him? I think we've talked about him. We've talked about Bacchus because he was actually Dionysus. Oh, right. Okay. Hi, BTS. <laughs> if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> B- yeah, like BTS. Right. They split like, whatever. <laughs> They'd be like, no. Oh, we're good. Thanks. They're like, who? Drunk who? <laughs> who are these middle-aged drunk women talking about us? Right. Oh, God. Anyway, but 
if you scroll down, you can see some of the remains okay. of the amazing mosaic floors. Holy fucking shit, Kate. I want, oh my God. Yeah, floor and decor, you, you need you to have, officially up your game. <laughs> there is, okay, Kate has included a picture. I, I can't even try to pronounce where this came from, the website Alcatron. I that guess. sounds like something totally fake. It sounds like a, it's, a pharmaceutical. <laughs> it does. We hear it's it like Alcatron a- believe in improving your lives through mosaics. <laughs> it's a tile mosaic floor, I presume. Yeah, it's a floor. That is stunning. And the it's it doesn't look like it's degraded in quality much at all. Well, I believe it was buried. And this is the result okay. of a thing called underwater archaeology. Okay. Like Maybe people go Frederick down and explain dig. that to us. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. Like I, I go to the next picture and I get a bit a wider angle mm-hmm. and it looks like okay, they found this ledge that was covered with dirt or sand mm-hmm. and they cleared off an area and found this. And it turns in- out that ledge is the foundation. Oh my god, it's a phenomenal floor mm-hmm. tile. Tile's not the right word. Mosaic pattern. I'm like, holy shit, this is beautiful. It has pentagons and circles and squares, and it's so it's, geometric. It's, it's gore- but it's also not quite each circle is a little bit different. Like that's it's what I love about this. Stunning, stunning, but stunning, stunning. If you scroll down to the next photo, this is sort of an underwater aerial. Oh, wild! So this, this is like this Google is satellite underwater, but underwater, right. yeah, of a now, city. There are still pieces of ancient Baie that are above ground for us oh. oxygen-breathing creatures. <laughs> So we can do a world tour. Yeah, we can. These images are from Atlas Obscura of the baths and the theater and the stadium. Uh, Again, the sulfur baths. Remember we talked about that? Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. And I'm still stuck on the underwater Google Earth image. Oh, I know, right? It's, I know it's not Google Earth underwater image, but this yeah, it, that's I have all the I'm links that I it. used. Yes, there are, and there's actually one that's called uh, uh, "I'm a Reculture.eu Project Tools Dry Visit by <laughs> A," and it's literally a wow. 3D reconstruction walkthrough tour app. Damn. Yeah. Wow. And, it's incredible. And again, it reminds you that there was a whole lot of color and decor and, you know, ancient worlds were not just, I put up a stone, it's a wall, I'm not going to paint it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So There we go. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, check the not to scale posts in the next couple days. Yeah, a couple days. Give me a week. Yeah, I have, a week. Oh my god, I haven't even done last week's yet. I chop, think I chop, s- bitch. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> so no. there you go. Oh my god. Next time, part two. Yes, part two. Romans abroad. What the? He- okay, you're right. That's the the European. Okay, nothing disturbing here. 
Wait, was there just some? There was a lot that was disturbing, but we're just going <laughs> to scroll right past that. The disturbing part is how drunk I am right now there because go. it's been- We got I our Fenrir so, mention in. We did. Oh my God. I, this and is, I am going to yeah. do the um, back to school episode, but I need okay. to finish part two and yeah, we'll do this. Okay. And- um, uh, I'm trying to type you a yeah. note in the notes and I'm like hitting the wrong buttons because I'm so drunk. I can't even type. I, I, I feel like I want to screenshot this for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> Any in the meantime, if you want to see that screenshot and others, uh, subscribe yourselves to our social media scrolls. We're on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. And yes, I cut and pasted the actual goodbye thing that we usually do that I yeah. didn't have last week. So there you go. Okay. On Twitter at Drunk Mythology. Wait. <laughs> Drunk Myth Gals. Drunk <laughs> We're on Facebook at Drunk Mythology Gals. We're on the web, drunkmythologygals.com, which is where I will eventually post the not to scale, which will include the pictures that Kate shared with me in this yep. episode. And if you want to uh, see what else we're up to over at Patreon, besides Escargo versus Escar Stop, we're on patreon.com slash drunk mythology gals. Or you can send us an email. We actually check it. I checked it earlier today, Kate. Oh, oh you sh did? Shit. I'm like slurring my words so freaking it's okay. bad. Gals at drunkmythologygals.com. Send us an email. Frederick sends us emails. That's right. You we'll, can we'll eventually too. reply to it too. <laughs> By the way, there's and, a new new response from Frederick oh, over there. Oh, well then I'm heading over it after this. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> anyway, special thanks to Sound Effects Kim for putting the top spin on our sound. And again, thanks to all of you for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, hey, let's go to Las Vegas and get crazy. And you're like, bitch, <laughs> let me tell you what crazy actually means. Yeah. Finally, always remember, if the gods and Romans can behave badly, so can you. Thank you.